break 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 you are now listening to breakthrough news it's 5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out 6-1-2021. Welcome to a new month. Very happy to be with you here as we start out a new month on The Punch-Out. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about the war in Yemen, which is continuing to rage despite being below the headlines. We're going to be talking about hunger spiking in Haiti. But before we get to either of those two important stories, we're going to talk about voting rights under attack in Texas and in Congress. <laughs> Well, the Texas legislature ended its session over the weekend in tumultuous fashion, with Democratic lawmakers preventing the passage of a new bill restricting the right to vote through a parliamentary maneuver, enraging Republicans and turning the state into the current epicenter of the conflicts over a Republican-led drive to limit the exercise of the franchise all around the country. The Texas bill was a major priority for Texas Republicans who hold big majorities in both chambers of the state house and control all statewide offices. It's a part of a broader drive by Republicans around the country to promote bills that restrict voting under the guise of fighting non-existent voter fraud, principally as a propaganda effort to validate former President Trump's claims that the election was stolen. Even though these bills are not connected in any way to credible claims of fraud, they all raise its specter as their justification, creating an undercurrent of doubt in election processes overall, which obviously helps give oxygen to the fraud claims that have become a Republican article of faith. The Texas bill, like others, explicitly takes aim at working-class voters of color who are the core of the electoral opposition to the Republicans' extreme right-wing agenda in the state. Harris County, that's where Houston is, is a known stronghold for working-class black and brown votes and had been praised locally for policies in the last uh, election in 2020 that allowed 24-hour early voting in some locations as well as drive-through voting. According to a county analysis, over 50% of the votes at drive-through locations and in the extended hours were black and Latino people. The Texas bill bans that practice statewide. Similarly, the bill limits the hours of Sunday early voting, which under the bill would not be allowed to start until 1 p.m. This is clearly designed to obstruct the quote-unquote souls-to-the-polls mobilizations operated by many black churches to promote voter turnout. It more or less puts the kibosh on the practice happening after early services, and it makes it more logistically challenging for anyone whose services end before noon. Ridiculing the provision, State Senator Royce West of Dallas said, quote, We're going to be able to buy beer at 10 o'clock in the morning, but we can't vote until 1 p.m., end quote. 
The bill also included standard ID provisions or voter ID provisions are often called that are designed to make things more complicated, increasing the likelihood of a mistake on an absentee ballot. For instance, under the bill's provisions, you have to provide either a driver's license number or the last four digits of your social security number to request an absentee ballot. And then for the ballot to be counted, you need to put the same information on the envelope you use to turn it in. So if you forget that second step or somehow do it wrong or whatever, easier to throw your ballot out. The bill also allows poll watchers, quote-unquote, freedom of movement throughout the polling stations outside of inside of the voting booths themselves. So in other words, it gives them the authority to just roam around and intimidate people while they're trying to vote or waiting to vote. The bill also makes it a felony to mail a ballot application to someone who doesn't request it. And it also makes it a felony to give out absentee ballot applications to get out the vote organizations. Now, mind you, this is not the ballot itself, but the application to apply for one. Democrats, lacking the power to block the bill in a straight-up vote, noticed that Republicans had been pretty lax procedurally, and a number of them had just taken off already for the long weekend, assuming, well, hey, it's all in the bag. Democrats quietly started to leave the chamber on the final day in small numbers or alone, leaving a few lawmakers back to put up a pro forma fight to various measures that were coming down to the wire. As the deadlines to pass the bill before the session ended Sunday night, or really as it approached, the legislature had no quorum, and there was no way to call enough people back in time to meet the deadline, which meant that the timeline expired and the bill was killed. And Republicans have roundly and loudly denounced the Democrats for pulling a fast one on them. And Governor Abbott is even threatening to veto a bill that funds the salaries of the lawmakers as punishment. Now, Republicans are set to pass the bill at some point this summer during a special session that was already expected to be called to address redistricting issues. Democrats, despite their small numbers, an ultimate acknowledgement that they probably will not be able to stop the bill, stop the bill are vowing to at least put up a fight probably looking for some more tricky maneuvers to slow down the Republicans, but ultimately it looks likely the bill will pass. And this will add Texas to the 12 states that have already enacted restrictions on voting this year as part of a crusade against voting rights. In addition to the fact that there is no voter fraud at issue with any of these bills, the very nature of them shows what they're designed to do. All of the bills take aim at methods of voting that are notable and helping to increase turnout in working-class communities of color. Anyone really paying attention will note that while these places tend to be Democratic strongholds, they are in fact not the pivot point of the vote that Democrats have been exploiting in 2020 and 2018. That was the much wider and much wealthier suburbs. The Republicans, however, clearly not too concerned about those suburban voters. I'm sure they probably think they can win them back. But they are clearly and explicitly trying to prevent surges of working class voters of color from upsetting their apple cart at any time in the future. And they're also further expanding their ideological offensive by defining the most dangerous voters as those in the so-called inner cities, digging an even deeper trench for the Republican battle against anything good for working class people by tying it to various racist tropes and bigoted ideas. Democrats, however, are not blameless. As the state-by-state offensive by Republicans rolls on, Democrats are sitting on a congressional bill that would nullify most of these terrible state laws and expand the right to vote nationwide. The For the People Act seems set to die in the Senate this summer because of Democratic intransigence. Republicans, as you might expect, are completely opposed to the bill, so Democrats can only pass it by ending the filibuster and passing it by a simple majority. 
Of course, there are a number of more conservative Democrats who oppose ending the filibuster just philosophically. And this is just so you know, a totally made up rule, by the way. But they're just philosophically against opposing it, oppose, uh, against ending it rather, to pass anything at all. And specific to this bill, Senators Joe Manchin and John Tester have publicly stated they don't want to end the filibuster to pass the bill. Tester is a little bit more shaky, but he said he was not comfortable with that. The For the People Act would take a number of steps. It would nationalize automatic registration, same-day registration, and make it much more difficult to do the mass voter purchase of millions that have become frequent in many states. It would institute nationwide early voting, restore the right to vote for the formerly incarcerated, set a legal standard for how long they can keep you waiting when you are waiting to vote, and it would also strengthen mail-in voting. It would also restore a key element of the Voting Rights Act requiring states to submit major election changes for federal, quote-unquote, preclearance so that you couldn't just do whatever you wanted to do. So despite having the power to expand the right to vote for tens of millions of of people and defeat an obviously racist, obviously anti-working class set of anti-democratic bills around the country, The Democrats would rather just sit on their hands, hiding behind a made-up rule to avoid the fact that a decisive chunk of Democrats and Republicans prefer to limit people's right to vote in order to seem simpatico with a totally fraudulent campaign claiming elections are somehow open to rampant manipulation. That's America's vaunted democracy for you. Not even a simple majority in Congress to make it easier to vote. A new report from UNICEF is raising the alarm about spiking childhood malnutrition in Haiti. As Al Jazeera summarized, quote, severe acute childhood malnutrition is expected to more than double this year in Haiti. More than 86,000 children under the age of five could be affected, compared with 41,000 reported last year, according to Jean Gao, who is UNICEF's regional director for Latin America and the Caribbean. Overall, UNICEF said about 4.4 million of Haiti's more than 11 million inhabitants lack sufficient food, including 1.9 million children. UNICEF also noted that, quote, childhood immunization rates were dropping from 28 to 44 percent, depending on the vaccine. The decrease has led to a rise in diphtheria cases as health workers brace for an expected measles outbreak this year. And UNICEF just to add insult to injury here, also highlighted how almost none of the $49 million it needs to provide adequate assistance in Haiti this year has been pledged or received. And the report links these challenges to the deepening social crisis in the country, which is entirely man-made. Chronic malnutrition is not new to Haiti. In fact, sadly, it's par for the course. Despite 50% of the country working in agriculture, the economic model pursued by Haitian elites ensures hunger. The lack of tariffs on many foreign agricultural goods make Haiti a prime target for dumping cheap food from the United States and other countries. Haitian farmers can't compete because the government does nothing at all to develop infrastructure or extend services to farmers. So most farming is almost entirely for subsistence. Huge tracts of land are also sold off to agribusiness and mining companies and thus are unable to be used to build food security. In the cities, the massive poverty and unemployment that affects the majority of people mean even the available food can only be acquired in limited amounts. So despite having plenty of arable land and plenty of farmers, Haitians do not have enough access to food. These policies are promoted by the government of Jovenel Moïse, de facto president, backed by the United States, 
the most influential international player, specifically because he is willing to engage in these sorts of policies that are highly lucrative for multinationals, but highly destructive for Haitians. Despite a huge mass movement that has been rocking the country for months now, the U.S. remains firmly behind Jovenel and is attempting to help him consolidate his power base. This means many things. But one thing it means for sure is more Haitian children are absolutely going to go hungry. <laughs> the war in Yemen, while not in the headlines, continues to rage on at the center of what many have called the world's largest humanitarian disaster, as the Saudi-UAE-led war has just totally devastated that country. Over the weekend, Controversy was raging over an offensive by the Houthi forces late last week that uh, are opposed to these Gulf states and that allegedly dealt a major blow to the Saudi army. The Houthis claim and have released videos of an offensive that killed, or at least they claim killed, 80 Saudi forces, sent Sudanese fighters that are seconded to the Saudi army fleeing and destroyed over 32 vehicles and also led to the Houthis seizing a number of points in the southern province of Saudi Arabia, Jizan. The Saudis fired back over the weekend, claiming that the footage was fake and said that instead they had repelled a Houthi attack. And this is actually more or less how these things have been going for months and months now, since almost no one is reporting firsthand in the international media. The Houthis will produce evidence of significant victories. The Saudis, of course, will deny they happened and say that it's not that there was no fighting, but that they won and that the Houthis are just totally lying. The exact truth is difficult to get to, but the Houthis certainly have logic on their side. I mean, that the two or that two of the most well-funded militaries on earth with tens of thousands of proxy fighters that are also fighting with them are unable to defeat, even really forget defeat, really dislodge them from control of the most populous parts of the country. And the Houthis, of course, are a force without any remotely comparable military capabilities, almost no international allies. All that lends a lot of credence to the Houthi claims about how they're doing pretty well in the war. If they were not essentially winning, how could they possibly be holding out at this point? The Houthis are clearly contained to a degree, but the Saudis cannot dislodge them and have proven that they cannot stop the Houthis from striking deep into Saudi Arabia, threatening their oil infrastructure numerous times over the past six months with rockets and drones. And by the way, there are not infrequent mass mobilizations in the capital of Sana'a in Yemen that show the Houthis maintain a deep base of popular support as well. The Saudis are maintaining a crippling blockade on the country, purposefully bombing schools, hospitals, and farmland, and have made little to no progress in the war, becoming completely bogged down. 24 million need dire humanitarian aid because of the war, but the Saudis refuse to negotiate an end to the conflict. Although talks between the kingdom and Iran, mediated by Iraq, are ongoing and allegedly include a Yemen track to them. So the stalemate grinds on then, with millions suffering needlessly all because the Saudis didn't like the Houthis as neighbors and tried to destroy them with the U.S. and the U.K. backing the move all the way and refusing to use their own leverage to fully end the conflict. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. 
And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. Yeah. Oh.